Are you ready to free the body and free the soul? Join Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, as he guides us on today's journey. Here's Dr. David. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the Cutting Edge Doc. And here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting-edge work in the areas of healing and spirituality and social transformation. And today's a special show for me because it's a chance for me to reconnect with an old friend, excuse me, Anne Louise Gittleman. I first met Anne when I was a young doctor about 25 years ago and have been a big Anne Louise fan all this time and um, she's just redone one of her major books and I thought this would be a great time to introduce you to my friend Anne Louise Gittleman and Anne is a, a real pioneer in the area of human nutrition. She seems to always be on the cutting edge. She was really the first major voice that I know of in the United States that took the message directly to the American people of the importance of good fats and oils and then has gone on to alert the American public to many other dangers such as hidden parasites, lack of salt, the importance of bile, refined carbohydrates, and on and on and on. So it's really an honor for me to bring into the conversation Anne Louise Gittleman. Anne Louise, welcome to Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to reconnect with you, Dr. Camden, sir. You can call me Dr. David. Thank you, Dr. David. <laughs> okay. So, you know, one of the things that makes this show unique in terms of the interviews we do is they tend to be rather in-depth interviews where people are not only finding out about your work, but they're also finding out about you and your journey and what makes you tick. And I know we only have an hour today, so it's going to be a little compressed, but uh, maybe you could start by telling the listeners uh, a little bit about your journey. And in particular, I'm interested in why you think you have this not only passion, but also ability to tap into a really important trend, uh, maybe scientific trend, before other people tap into it, and this ability to then communicate it effectively to large numbers of people. Well, that's very sweet and very kind of you. With regard to my ability to tap into some of these trends before they become mainstream, um, all I can say is perhaps that is my gift. Um, I, I always have a sense that there is something afoot that perhaps has not been per, uh, properly diagnosed or analyzed or that somebody has not connected the dots the way they should. And I have worked with so many people over the years, Dr. David, that I've seen patterns that I feel need to be better explored. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that ability, and with that passion that I have, I have written about 30 books which have tried to identify some of these patterns, whether it's the 
concept of no fat, low fat, and how misguided we have been since the 1960s with taking all saturated fats as well as the healthier fats out of our diets. I also have been blessed with the opportunity to work with some wonderful teachers that have paved the way, whether that was Nathan Pritikin or Dr. Hazel Parcells, who was the grand dame of alternative medicine. And I learned from them firsthand about the no to low fat pros and cons, as well as the concept of parasites being an underlying cause of disease and disharmony right here in the United States. I worked closely with people for perimenopause, menopause, and beyond. And also, I've had great, uh, I've taken a great interest these days in the concept of electromagnetic or electropollution with all of the Wi-Fi that we're exposed to. So because I'm exquisitely sensitive myself, I have a strong mind, but a very sensitive body, I have felt some of these issues myself. I've gone through the journey myself, and I feel I'm in an enlightened self-interest place to be able to share my own journey with others that perhaps are suffering with untractable or mystery illnesses. Wow, that's a, that's a great, very succinct, powerful summary there. So let's get right into the body of your work. So maybe you can give people uh, kind of a Cliff Notes version of the work that you did where you had exposure to the limitations of a low-fat Pritikin-type diet and what you noticed there as a head nutritionist and how that catalyzed your journey. Well, you know, I am deeply honored to have been the nutrition director. I was the first nutrition director of the Pritikin Longevity Center, and that was way back, Dr. David, in 1980. And if we can remember back then, then we have to recall that that was in the heyday of the no to low fat, high complex carbohydrate diet model when fat was truly demonized and low fat, no fat, fat free, you know, were the mantras of the day. In any event, I knew, I began to see while I was the director of nutrition that there was truly a downside of this no to low fat diet model. And even though the participants in my Pritikin Longevity Center experience really demonstrated lots of positive changes while they were staying there. Um, many of them started to exercise for the first time in their lives. They got rid of a lot of sugar in their diets. So that was very positive. But on the other hand, many complained of new problems after leaving or when they returned to the center for refresher courses. So I paid a lot of attention because I was seeing so many people with these same patterns. I can distinctly remember, Dr. David, that there were complaints about weight gain on a no to low fat diet program. People were feeling hungry at the time, no matter how much food was, was eaten previously. And I also noticed a rather curious phenomenon among many of our participants who were on the program for at least one to two years, and that was the appearance of these vertical ridges on the fingernails, and that is a clinical syndrome that truly signals a nutritional deficiency. I also began to wonder about the long-term shortcomings of the diet and started to test many of the participants 
with all kinds of food sensitivity studies. And I learned that many of them could not digest gluten. So I began to recognize that there were some gluten sensitivities abreast. And, and there was a lot of allergy to corn and other types of grains. And you have to understand that this was pretty mind-blowing for me because here I was, the director of nutrition, and I was doing some of these studies on these individuals who couldn't figure out what was wrong with them because they thought they were doing everything right. And I was finding that the very foods that were constituting the basis of their diet were foods that were actually very toxic to them. Now, in those days, we didn't necessarily make the association with gluten-rich grains and insulin and fat promotion and deposition, but I began to suspect that their inability to tolerate grains may have led to their feeling hungry all the time and of weight gain. So that was pretty devastating, quite frankly. And then around that same time, when I was the director of nutrition, which was for the years of 1980 to 1982, I also saw some new research that was coming out about the, um, the diet of the the Greenland Eskimos and how they were having a very high fat diet, but had a very low risk of heart disease. So I had to rethink the whole Pritikin diet prescription and realize that not all fats were created equal. And while many of them were unhealthy, primarily what I called those man-made or hydrogenated fats, others were absolutely essential for the human body and we really couldn't function well without them. So I, I wrote about all of this experience in 1988 in a book called Beyond Pritikin, which of course was beyond that no-to-low-fat diet model. And the subtitle of that book was A Total Nutrition Program for Weight Loss, for Longevity, and Good Health. So I began seeing that the right kind of fat, what I called in those days the essential fats, was dramatically connected to weight loss that the right fat helps to increase metabolic rate and energy production. And I felt that easy weight loss was better accomplished without strenuous dieting because people were able to finally balance their blood sugar and have no more food cravings. I also saw there was a definitive connection between essential fats and heart disease and that essential fat really balanced cholesterol levels as well as triglycerides and had the uncanny ability of also regulating blood pressure. And it also risk, reduced the risk, I would say, of blood clotting. Uh, I saw a definitive connection between the right kind of fats and cancer. I saw that in many cases, essential fats could inhibit certain types of cancer cell growth. Certainly, there was a connection also with the right kind of fats and diabetes because I saw that essential fat helped to promote much more effective insulin utilization. And then the association of the right kind of fats with just a myriad of other disorders from uh, rheumatoid arthritis to premenstrual syndrome, menopause, perimenopause, the immune system, issues with the skin, the nails, and candida albicans, as well as allergies, were all neutralized or inhibited or slowed down with the addition of the right kind of fat. So I made it my personal mission from that first book that came out many moons ago, and it's only 
I mean, it's getting on almost 30 years, I guess, at this point. I made it my mission to really um, justify and to vindicate the concept of fats as, as not being the demon in the American diet. I then began to see that it was sugar and insulin that, that needed to be to be better understood and then modified and moderated with the proper diet and supplements. So to be honest with you, that was really the beginning. I, I went on and wrote, oh, about 29 more books. And each of those other books that had a little different theme all talked about the importance of these essential fatty acids, where to find them, how to incorporate them, and what to eliminate from the diet that would make the diet more palatable, more healthy, and more, more I'd say, um, longevity-proof. Fascinating. And, of course, all of this was done, including your observations about grains and everything. This was before the current wave of challenges with genetically modified food, yes? Yes. Genetically modified foods was not on our radar way back in the 80s. Very definitely, yes. Uh, I, I just began seeing that individuals that were eating a lot of these wheat-based foods, and I, I just identified gluten in those days as being the real problem. Um, that was really the issue. And I also saw all kinds of sensitivities. I mean, I, I guess the proper terminology would be food sensitivities to corn. Secondarily, I saw lots to rice. But, you know, my people on a no-to-low-fat diet, in order to fill up, Dr. David, you were eating a lot of wheat, a lot of shredded wheat, actually, in those days. I mean, it was not terribly palatable, to be quite honest with you. A diet without fat is not palatable or satisfying. So people were overdoing too much of a good thing. And I was seeing that with the overgrowth of candida problems with insulin and the inability to lose weight. And now you're seeing that big time. All the things that I noted in Beyond Pritikin are now magnified and expanded into the problems that we have today. So I identified many of those issues way back then, many, many moons ago. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that the first book that you read where you learned about my two-week fat flush? Yes. And, uh, I do want to talk about that uh, as we get into the interview, but I, I would imagine that a lot of these symptoms that you saw would be even more magnified today with the topsoil the way it is and the genetically modified issues and the EMF issues. And um, you just thank God that you made these connections back then. Um, one of the things I want to get into, I want to talk about things that probably the listeners don't know about. Like by now, thanks to you and other people, it's it's kind of common knowledge about the dangers of partially hydrogenated oils and things like that. But let's talk about the things that maybe some people don't know about. Like let's like um, let's talk about specifically what you discovered about GLA about what you discovered about CLA and what people are discovering now about the benefits of coconut oil in terms of medium chain triglycerides and what what you've discovered about the importance of, sat of saturated fat for the brain and the heart. Let's talk about some of the things that people might not know about. 
Well, that's a, a really good jumping off point. Um, <clears throat> I, discuss, I just stumbled upon many of these issues quite by accident, quite frankly. And then in terms of uh, the GLA that you mentioned, many years ago, while I was working at the Pritikin Center, concurrent with my position as the Director of Nutrition, I had the opportunity to work with several models that were using in those days, it was the uh, expeller press safflower oil on their salads to lose weight. And interestingly enough, when they came to me as clients, because I always had a private clientele, even though I was working full-time as the director of nutrition, I saw lots of people on the weekends, and I learned that there was something in that safflower oil that was allowing them to lose weight effortlessly without any dieting or change you know, in their um, exercise program. So I did some research and learned that safflower oil was a rich source of a precursor to GLA, linoleic acid, which under the right circumstances could convert into an essential fatty acid called gamma-linolenic acid, which was a very powerful weight loss agent. It has the ability to trigger a, a very type, a, a type of fat called brown fat or brown adipose tissue, which can burn calories rather effortlessly. So all of that research that I did way back then, and there weren't a lot of research research about this that, that, was, that was out there. I remember reading about David Horobin, who I think was at the University of Montreal, if I'm not mistaken, and Dr. Horobin recognized the importance of this GLA, or fat-burning essential fatty acid, and wrote about the richest source at that time, which was evening primrose oil, and how individuals could effortlessly take something like 360 milligrams of GLA and lose weight without doing anything. And he recognized the brown fat connection and the ability of this particular essential fatty acid to trigger something called the sodium pump in the body. So that was the beginning of my love affair <laughs> with GLA, gamma-linolenic acid. And then interestingly enough, Dr. David, later on there were a flurry of new studies about the importance of fighting fat with fat, with fat and that came out excuse me, in early 2009, it came out in the New England Journal of Medicine. And the media really recognized these studies as the newest obesity theory. I mean, when it was already out there in the 1980s, interesting. And they claimed that good fat, also known as brown fat, because of its color, was a very potent regulator of metabolism and weight. So the research said originally that brown fat was very deficient in people that were overweight and was primarily activated by cold. It's what kept hibernating animals warm during the winter, quite frankly. So this good fat, which triggers the body to burn more calories and generate more body heat, was also recognized way back then in allowing infants to stay warm. And for some reason, and I don't know what the mechanism is, but when people reach adulthood, brown fat can be metabolically inactive in certain individuals. So that's why 
the importance of GLA is important because it, it acts as an activator to the dormant brown fat. And so I found this to be very interesting. I then included GLA as part of my research, as part of my um, protocols for people that needed to lose weight effortlessly and were lazy and didn't want to do anything else. Um, what we learned is that GLA then stimulates brown fat actually through a more complex process called the prostaglandin pathways, which I write about in all of my books. And that's exactly why it has played such an important role in all of my programs. And while it's found in a very balanced form in evening primrose oil, as well as a later source that came onto the horizon in the 90s, which is borage oil, I now use black currant seed oil as my go-to source because it has a little bit of the omega-3s and the omega-6s, both of which are essential fatty acids that need to be balanced. So GLA is vital in all of my protocols. It was first introduced in my very first book, Beyond Pritikin, because of what we found out from the safflower oil. Now, I don't recommend that people use safflower oil because sometimes that precursor doesn't transform into the biologically active GLA if you have a deficiency of certain minerals like zinc, for example, or certain vitamins, niacin is one of them, and B6 is another. Or if you have diabetes, if you've been exposed to radiation, you're overly stressed. There are a lot of metabolic blockers in the diet that can prohibit the conversion of the precursor or the uh, raw material. So I tell everybody that wants beautiful skin and hair and wants to lose weight effortlessly that GLA should certainly be one of their premier supplements. I have a question about that. If someone's using black currant seed oil, which is the source that I recommend also now, how much black currant seed oil do you need to take to get the therapeutic levels of GLA for weight loss? You know, as long as the, the initial research, which was used with the evening primrose oil, suggested it was 360 milligrams. But quite honestly, I am finding that people need a lot more because when we test fatty acids, the most efficient one is GLA. So I'm saying that people could go up from that 360 mg's of GLA in the black currant seed oil to maybe one to two grams per day. Do you know how much black currant seed oil someone needs to take to get that much GLA? You know, I don't know because there are various formulas out there. I know that, that Uniki, my distributor, has one very specifically which offers 90 milligrams of GLA from a black currant seed source. But I know that they do that as a courtesy to me and my readers. Okay. Do not know. So you'd have to then look on the label because it may, so a, a label may contain, let's say, 500 milligrams of black currant seed oil. But within that 500 milligrams, it may also only be supplying, let's say, uh, 50 milligrams. So you want to get up to that 360 initially and then even increase to, the, to one gram. Okay. So let's switch and talk about uh, something else that people might not know about, which I think is especially important for people that are exercising. Let's talk about CLA. CLA, conjugated linoleic acid, is another omega-6. And the omega-6s, by the way, 
in my book, literally and figuratively, have gotten a bad rap. Uh, their mega-6s, as long as they can transform into the activated fatty acids of the GLA, are not the bad guys in the diet. The refined omega-6s that are now not just refined, but they're all GMO-proofed, quite frankly, and we're talking about canola oil, we're talking about corn oil and soy oil are not healthy. So I'm talking about good omega-6s of which CLA is certainly a member along with GLA. Well, this fatty acid is not considered a essential fatty acid. It's more appropriately terminated a critical omega-6 fatty acid. And it's produced by grazing animals like cows from the grass they eat that provides them with the raw material, which again is linoleic acid. So if you take this as a concentrated dietary supplement, maybe 1,000 milligrams per meal, it has a wonderful ability to prompt the body to burn stored fat as energy, which of course has the resulting benefit of decreasing overall body fat and proportionally increasing lean muscle tissue, which as we all know, in turn, Dr. David is going to burn even more calories. So I would suggest that CLA can help bring blood sugar in balance, and it has the distinct ability to target tummy fat, uh, more so than any of the other essential fatty acids that I've recognized. And it's pretty miraculous because I have seen from my own experience and when I was on the road promoting uh, my fat flush plan, my uh, Beyond Pritikin, that people that took at least one gram, that's 1,000 milligrams of the CLA per meal, were able to lose weight and inches, more importantly, even effortlessly, especially those individuals that may be disabled. I had the most wonderful gal that came to one of my lectures way back when, back in the day when the book first came out, and she said, what can I do? I can't exercise. How can I lose my tummy fat? And I told her about CLA, and within six days, she emailed me that she had already lost inches. So it's pretty miraculous. I mean, it works well with a lot of people. And, you know, interestingly enough, we used to get it in the diet uh, up to the 1970s, and then after that, that was the time that animals were then switched to grain rather than grass. So it used to be innately part of the diet. You found it richly concentrated in butter and cream and, of course, grass-raised animals. But now, unless you make an effort to eat the pastured butter and the cream and the grass-raised animals and so on and so forth, you're not getting what you really need to in terms of fat burning and to target the abdominal belly fat. Great. So let's talk about, um, you know, something that's very popular right now. It's kind of like the craze right now is coconut oil. So could you talk about your experience of coconut oil and uh, medium chain triglycerides? I know that many people are not aware of the uh, lauric acid in the coconut oil and are not aware of the antiviral properties, but it goes much farther than that. So why don't you speak about your experience of uh, coconut oil and medium chain triglyceride? 
Yeah, well, the coconut oil, uh, although it it appears to be a Johnny come lately on the nutrition scene, is is a very good source of these medium chain triglycerides, which are metabolized very quickly in the body and do not have to go through the liver or gallbladder to be metabolized, which is why I think it is so highly, highly utilized by most people on the planet these days. So I'm a big, big fan of coconut oil for many reasons. And one of those, of course, is the natural lauric acid content, which has been utilized in so many supplements like monolaurin. And there's another one, uh, loricidin, that has the aspects of these very potent antivirals in them. So coconut oil is here to stay. It really is helpful for a slow thyroid, and it's very helpful indeed with regard to weight loss, thyroid issues, and satiety. So I think it's a marvelous supplement, whether you use it on your face or whether you use it internally. So I'm a big, big fan of the coconut. Could you talk about the importance of uh, saturated fat, especially for the, um, especially for the brain and the heart? Well, the brain is 60% fat, so you need saturated fat. I mean, that is extremely, extremely important. And saturated fat contains nutrients that your heart craves. I mean, let's put it that way. I mean, the real truth that we all have to understand is that saturated fat is truly healthy for your heart and that foods that are high in these particular fats are the carriers of extremely important fat-soluble vitamins, which are oftentimes not apparent in the American diet anymore. They're lacking. And those are your vitamins like vitamin A, uh, vitamin E, vitamin F, vitamin K2, and of course, hormone D, which to me is not a vitamin anymore. It, it functions as a hormone. That's how critical it is. So all of these, your A, your D, your E, your F, and your K are major, major components for, for smooth functioning hearts, for healthy hormones, and so much more. I mean, if you look in any nutrition book, you will find that we are de definitively deficient in these vitamins. Why? Because we haven't been eating saturated fats all these years. And the deficiencies just read like a who's who of any disease. They're associated with issues ranging from cataracts to cancer, for heaven's sakes. So I think we all have to be aware that saturated fats have been demonized just like all fats very, very unfairly and unjustly for the past 50 years. We have to put them back on our dinner tables. And we have to understand that there was a revolutionary study that was published in the Annals of Internal Medicine, and I believe it was in the March 2014 issue. And that study was called the Current Association of Dietary Circulating and Supplemental Fatty Acids with Coronary Risk. And the bottom line is that this was a meta-analysis of nearly 80 studies, which proved that saturated fats were not dangerous for cardiovascular health. And so it's high time that we recognize that we have to get back on the right fat track or else we will continue to have a deteriorating heart disease rate 
a expanding diabetes rate and an ever expanding obesity rate with high blood pressure, stroke, etc., not following far behind. The truth is that saturated fats are actually very healthy for you, but if you're going to be eating it or them better stated, then you want to make sure that the animals that you're eating them from are organically raised, humanely raised, pastured raised, because if not, those fatty tissues are going to be storing some oil-soluble toxic vitamins up, poisons rather. So get thee some butter, some ghee, some cream, all of that is healthy, provided of course you can digest them, which I know we'll be speaking about momentarily. Yes, we definitely will get into the importance of uh, bile and bile flow and lipase and all of that. But let's sting with the fats right now. Do you want to say anything? Uh, one of the things that, as I was training to be a doctor and practicing, that I learned that was a surprise to me, so I'm assuming many people don't know about it, is the link between essential fatty acids, vitamin D, and proper calcium metabolism. Is there anything you want to say about that? Yes. Well, what we learned years ago from Weston Price is that certain types of butter contain this mysterious factor X that he found was very helpful in terms of osteoporosis prevention as well as heart disease prevention. And what we learned is that that mysterious factor X is now recognized as vitamin K2, which is extremely important in terms of putting calcium back where it belongs, out of the arteries and into your bones and into your teeth. So that is a very important aspect to really recognize. And vitamin D, or hormone D, more appropriately designated, is also very important for making sure that we have a stabilized immune system, making sure that our calcium stays put. It's an important ingredient to be used with magnesium for very strong hearts and very strong bones. And in terms of essential fatty acids, that's also extremely important for uh, a well-functioning system. So all of these things that we have noted and known about for years are now just taking a little different coloration, so to speak, based on the latest research. And I think it needs to be stated again that that after all of this low-fat, no-fat, get-rid-of-your-saturated-fats nonsense, we have to recognize that heart disease rates and heart disease deaths, you know, have not decreased. They're actually higher than ever with diabetes expanding as well as a whole slew of immune situations. Autoimmune disease is going through the roof. I never saw so many sick people as we do now. And that to me is the fallout effect of the wrong dietary model that we have been following for so many years and has been almost inculcated into our genes. The concept for some people of eating fat to lose weight or eating fat to help your heart or stay healthy is so foreign that it takes a lot of education and retraining. Do you think the low fat and poor quality fat diets have been a major contributor to all of the uh, sexual dysfunction in America these days? Yes, you need the good fats to make the right 
cholesterol, which is a precursor to hormones. It's connected to everything, Dr. David. That's why when I wrote my book, Eat Fat, Lose Weight, I decided to update the subtitle to learn about the smart fats that can reset metabolism, <clears throat> stress, appetite, and sex hormones because it's so part and parcel of almost every disease known to man. It's absolutely amazing. So let's talk about the fact that even if you're ingesting the proper fats, you need to be able to digest them, which means you need to be able to take the fat and break it down into smaller size globules so that the surface area is increased and then you have to have the correct enzymes and then you have to be able to absorb it at the proper rate and uh, not reabsorb toxins. So that brings us into a lot of other areas about the health of the liver and the gallbladder, the importance of bile, the importance of um, intestinal wall integrity, the role of the microbiome. So why don't you just take that conversation where you'd like to, because I know that that material was a big part of why you rewrote one of your most important books uh, that is, is, is out again now in a new edition. So go ahead and take that wherever you'd like it. <laughs> well, we got to take it to the liver is where we got to take it. Um, and quite honestly, you're right. Um, I know it's important for people to eat the right kind of fats and to get back on the right fat track. There's no question about that. But just eating lots of fat, with the exception of coconut oil, which is the most easily digested and doesn't go the regular route of every other fat, which is why I think it's so very popular, you really need to understand that fat needs the right amount of bile. Bile breaks down fat into small particles. So it not only breaks down the fat, but it also acts as a removal system for toxins. So if the bile is not flowing properly or if it's congested or you don't have the right nutrients to make the bile in the first place, you're in trouble, big trouble. And then I think about all of the individuals in this country that no longer have a gallbladder, which means that they have very uneven and irregular fat digestion and may be suffering from a whole slew of fat-soluble vitamin deficiencies, as well as the inability to detoxify properly, and may even be experiencing a whole bunch of diseases or disorders that are connected to improper bile flow or the lack of a gallbladder. And I'm talking about uh, seemingly disconnected symptoms like problems with your varicose veins, problems that you're having in terms of nausea, uh, clay-colored stools, uh, inability to lose weight, uh, insomnia, dizziness, uh, sciatica-like pains, all of those could be connected to gallbladder issues or a lack of the right bile. So it, it goes so far beyond just digesting fats and uh, acting as a removal system for toxins. Bile production and the proper bile production is just critical to all of this, which is why in Eat Fat, Lose Weight, I mention a very specific protocol for those individuals that no longer have a gallbladder. 
those individuals that no longer have a gallbladder really need bile. They need ox bile extracts, bile salts. I have specific name brands that I personally use, but I'm sure there, there are many other wonderful ones out there. So that's a must if you don't have a gallbladder. And in addition to that, for those that do have a gallbladder, they might try something that's a little more gentle, which probably would be a combination of... of of a formula that contains a little bit of beet concentrate, which has the distinct ability because of the betaine uh, of thinning out the bile as well as some taurine and maybe some pancreolipase. So those are exceedingly important as well as having a dietary program that is targeted on a daily basis to supporting the liver and gallbladder and bile production which would be your dandelion root tea, your lemon and water, and beets wherever you can, whether you juice them, whether you slice them, whether you boil them. But beets happen to be your best friend when it comes to building beautiful bile. Absolutely. I find in my practice uh, there are some products that I use that are just lifesavers that involve, um, you know, beet leaf, powder and beet leaf extract combined with some fat soluble uh, vitamins and they're just lifesavers for thinning the bile and keeping things moving. It's just amazing. It's amazing and I might also want to say that people that think they may have IBS or they may have Crohn's disease probably have a problem with bile production. So this is a must for everybody listening to this podcast. One thing I want to backtrack a little bit and talk about is um, I've been a huge fan for a long time of eggs and especially eggs, of course, that come from chickens that have been treated properly. And uh, I just feel that it nurtures me, especially the yolk. I feel like it nurtures me uh, if I don't overcook it in ways that no other food does. And I'm really sad when I hear about people saying, oh, I can't eat eggs, I'm sensitive to it, I'm allergic to it. And have you found that, is there a way to help those people so that eventually they can have eggs again? Well, I know that the egg whites are the most sensitive or allergic producing food that we see on some of our food sensitivity testings, and certainly the yolk is much more healthy. But I must tell you something you may not be happy about, and I write about this in the book with a little bit more detail, is that many years ago, it was in the, I think it was in the 1970s, there was a, a gentleman who was the chairman of the Food Allergy Committee of the American College of Allergists, which today I think has been renamed the American College of Allergy and Immunology. And, and the man I'm referring to is the late Dr. James Brenneman. And he worked with an enormous amount of people who had uh, been hospitalized with a severe attack of gallbladder issues or had had their gallbladders removed but still had all kinds of residual pain. And he found that if these individuals went on a elimination diet and eliminated three top foods, their pain dissipated. And he had almost 100% 
recovery rate, Dr. David. And unfortunately, unfortunately, the primary offending food was eggs. I mean, that was almost 93% of his, of his group. Eggs were number one, pork was number two, onions were number three. Now, granted, in those days, maybe his people didn't eat the omega-3 pasture-raised eggs, so we have to, you know, consider that. Right. But for anybody, quite frankly, that has a recurring problem with gallbladder or gallbladder stones or wants to keep their gallbladder stones and keep their gallbladder... <coughs> I always tell them first and foremost that they should get rid of those primary offending foods. Have you experimented with having people just eat the yolk? Not with this program. I have not. And as I say, now that the yolk is so much more healthy with the omega-3 fed chickens and the pasture-raised chickens, that may be an issue. You know, we don't know from the studies that Dr. Brenneman did way back in the 70s whether it was the egg white or the egg yolk. I think it was the whole egg, quite frankly. But, you know, if you have a gallbladder issue and you have great pain, I, I don't spend much time analyzing that. I'm telling everybody to get off eggs, to get off pork, to get off onions. It's been almost miraculous just based upon that little study that is not even well known in this day and time. It's interesting. I'll do some more research on this because... Please, please. Because it's an area of interest to me. Um, is there anything you want to say about the EMF challenges we're having as it relates to human health? And is there anything you want to say about the the GMO situation, which my listeners know I'm very passionate about. I'm sick about the GMO issue. I mean, it makes me personally very, very frustrated and very upset. What I will say, however, about EMFs is that if you follow an eat fat, lose weight regimen, you're going to have stronger cell membranes because the cell membrane is composed of these essential or smart fats that I itemize in the program. And so with very strong cell membranes, you don't have leaky cell walls. The, the calcium is not, um, goes into solution as it does if not, if you don't have the proper kinds of essential fats. And it also helps to prevent or protect any kind of stress-related assault because when you are exposed to EMFs with the nonstop Wi-Fi, with the cell phone towers, with the iPads, God only knows what's going on, and the mobile phones, which are even higher than your cell phone in terms of EMFs, then you start to secrete stress proteins. They're known as heat shock proteins, about 20 of them. The way you prevent that, one of the ways at least, is with a strong cell membrane that can also uh, prevent any kind of hormonal dysfunction in terms of the, the cortisol spikes. And that's where the omega-3s come in handy. We've spoken about the GLA and the CLA, but that's where omega-3s come into play because it will help to modify and moderate your response to stress, which can be exacerbated under the influence of EMFs. You know, I can validate that because clinically I'm able to detect uh, people that are not handling EMF stress well and one of the things that probably handles it for maybe 75 to 80% is a particular product that I use. It's a combination of, of good fats and fatty acids. And I can validate what you're saying from my own clinical experience. It's really, it's really wonderful to see that. 
That's wonderful. We'll have to talk offline. I'm interested in what you have found. Yeah, there are problems. And, you know, I've never seen so many problems. And I, I, I've been around, I'm 66 years old. So having omitted that, uh, <laughs> declared that, I can say that I've been around for many years. But I don't think I've ever seen the wide amount with all of the information and all of the awareness that we now have about health and nutrition. There are a lot of unfortunate sick people out there who have not gotten results doing everything that they feel is right and they keep up with all the research and so forth. So I think that our bodies simply can't address the consistent toxic load that we're exposed to and we have to use other remedies and other types of um, healing modalities to really help us ward off what's going on in this day and age. And that was one of the reasons, quite honestly, that I felt compelled to update this book, which was first written in 1999. I thought to myself, if this can help somebody out there with the information about the bile, about the stress hormones, about the GLA, the CLA, and of course, weight loss is always, you know, a big uh, perk for people, but there's so much more that the right kind of fats can affect, that it be just behooved me, it compelled me to do the book. And I have never written a book in a month. And this, this little puppy was, was written in one month because I just felt that the timing was so right and so now. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about some other things that I'm finding in my practice. And fortunately, I have some excellent mentors and some excellent cutting-edge approaches, but most people either don't know about it or they're freaked out about it. And I know it's an area of interest that we share, and I think it is behind a lot of the autoimmune challenges we're having. Do you want to say anything about the whole business about parasites and parasite <laughs> energies? And also, do you want to say yeah. anything about heavy metal, the load of heavy metal toxicity and do you want to say anything about the incredible number of vaccinations that Americans are getting exposed to? Well, you're talking about toxic overload par excellence. And from my background, the parasite connection is a major one. And certainly, um, I wrote a book about that, which also needs to be updated, Dr. David, called Guess What Came to Dinner? And yeah, um, more than ever, we're seeing two out of three individuals that are carrying one or more parasites, uh, whether they are the microscopic parasites or the larger tapeworms. That's a huge, huge toxic load on the system. They are the most immunosuppressive agent of all. So if your body is busy fending off these toxic invaders, you will be experiencing all of these other issues and disorders downstream. So that's a real issue that needs to be addressed. Um, that would be number one. And then the other one that you spoke about was which? I talked about heavy metal toxicity. Oh, heavy metals. Ah, I just read something really scary, which I can relate to. And that is that uranium is now being found in record amounts in the American water system. And we have that right here in northern Idaho. So that means that people could be exposed to radon, and that is a killer. So yes, between that and the arsenic that we're now finding in rice and in rice bran and in brown rice products that really is very toxic to the pancreas and specifically to diabetes, 
um, there's a real problem there and you've got to address that as well. So we have that issue, which means that you need very gentle chelators to get rid of those toxic metals, or at least at the very least, taking a non-invasive test like a hair tissue mineral analysis to see what you may be extreting and what you may be stockpiling in your soft tissues. That's a big one. And last but not least was the vaccinations, which is an issue that I'm also passionate, passionate about and that also needs to be rectified in terms of the high amount of autism that we're experiencing. So yeah, we're being exposed to more toxins now more than ever. So I feel that any of your patients, and if they're not familiar with you, I'm hopeful that they'd be able to um, get in touch with you and you may be able to do work long distance with so many people that are in such dire need for a program that will address all of these issues gently but effectively. And the key word here is gentle. We can't be putting people on major detoxification programs anymore. Their systems simply cannot withstand it. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, I am able to help people with all of these things. However, my methods involve uh, protocols and testing that requires that currently requires that we actually be together physically in the same room. And so one of my goals for 2016 is to explore how I can responsibly expand my reach by being able to um, sort of not be so bound by the... Um, the time space limitations and you know there i've i known i've known for years that there are uh, technologies designed to facilitate long distance connection uh energetic connection with people i just haven't found uh a technology that i trust yet to do that but i'm open to that well, and that should be a conversation, of course, that we can have together, but I do think that we have to be looking for those types of energy medicine techniques and treatments because what we're doing now is certainly not addressing everything that needs to be rectified, corrected, and neutralized. One thing I want to talk about before you got to go is, because um, I know it's an issue for a lot of people, is do you want to talk about the thyroid and the connection between chlorine, fluoride, bromine, chloramine, and iodine deficiency and all of that. Is there anything you want to say about that while I've while I've got you here? <laughs> yes, and thank you for being so attentive to my unfortunate time restraints. Um, what I can say is that many of the uh, the heavy metals that you've spoken about, many of these chemicals can displace iodine in the thyroid. So what we need to do is we need to be able to get rid of those or prevent them from stockpiling in the thyroid, which can affect thyroid hormone, which is so important for not just metabolism, but for detoxification as well. So with regard to thyroid supplementation, I'm a big believer in certain types of iodine. I really like the iodorol supplement, the best for most people. Some people can tolerate the one 
pill, which I believe is 12.5 milligrams. Other people may need more to kind of kick out the fluoride, the chlorine, and the bromides. Um, so I think that's very important. But what I do want to bring to the table is that I've been in touch with several thyroid advocates, uh, Dr. Isabella Wentz, who did the Hashimoto's book, as well as Dr. Raphael Kelman, who is the microbiome diet guru. And we're all now recognizing that there may be a connection between hypothyroidism and inappropriate bile production. Because Dr. Kelman was noting to me that many individuals that had developed hypothyroid had had their gallbladders out. And so obviously we're not supplementing properly with bile salts and so forth. So I think that also needs to be recognized. Everything just works in such beautiful concert that we have to make those connections and connect the dots. Well, I think there's a lot of a scientific basis for that because if you look at the most powerful thyroid hormone, which is T3, and you look at the conversion of T4 to T3, 70% of that occurs in the liver. Yes, so, yes, thank you. That's true. Thank you, so, thank you. So if the liver is compromised in its function, you would think that bile production might be compromised as well. So it makes sense to me. Um, you know, there's so much we didn't get a chance to talk about. We didn't get a chance to talk about adrenal stress, which is huge. Maybe we can save that for another day. But I know you've got to go in a couple of minutes. Uh, why don't you talk about specifically the book that you rewrote, the name of it, how people can get it, how people can be in touch with you. And then, unfortunately, we'll have to close out this conversation. Can I, uh, can I seduce you to come back for part two sometime? Oh, with you anytime. Absolutely. You're one of my favorite old dear friends, so there's no question that I'd be very happy to. Okay. So the floor is yours to close us out. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'd love everybody to get this little Kindle. And it's a, we came out with a Kindle edition first because it was more expedient. And again, I just felt compelled that this information had to be out right before the holidays. The book is called Eat Fat, Lose Weight. And it is available on the Kindle store. And if you don't have Kindle, you can download it to any device or to your PC or to your laptop. So that shouldn't be an issue. Um, and the book really talks about everything that you and I, Dr. David, have gone over, what the kinds of fats are that you should be eating, how to incorporate them easily and deliciously, how they affect all kinds of hormones from metabolism to stress to appetite to sex hormones, and we also discuss in great detail the importance of the liver as well as the gallbladder, what you do to make sure that you supplement your gallbladder or your lack of gallbladder accordingly, and if you still have it, what you do to make sure that you have the best and thinnest and least congested bile, how you can let sleeping gallstones lie, and what you do also for the thyroid and for the adrenals. Uh, all of that is printed and published and um, and in very easy to understand language because this is not a long read by any means it'll give people the real bare bones and no nonsense information that i have consolidated over the past 30 years so it's certainly my hope that that as many people as possible download it and share the information with all of their friends their associates their clients and their family Great. Is there anything you'd like to say in closing? 
Well, I'm just grateful for you for having me on your podcast today. Uh, I truly am very grateful for that. And I think that, you know, we share a, a real common bond. It's eat, fat, lose weight. And we both have to work as hard as we can to recognize that fat is back and it needs to be undemonized. It needs to be truthfully promoted out there. And people have to understand that all of the information that we have been fed over the past 40 to 50 years, you know, was based upon studies that unfortunately were fudged a little bit. It was based upon studies where certain facts were covered up. And it's based upon a lot of half-truths and lies that unfortunately were perpetuated for more than four decades. So it's time that the truth is revealed and we've got to welcome fat back to our palates, to our breakfast, lunches, dinners, snacks, side soups, and um, sweets. And you can do that deliciously and healthfully. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been having an amazing conversation with my friend and my colleague in the healing arts, Anne Louise Gittleman. Really encourage you to check out her revised edition of Eat Fat, Lose Weight. Uh, it's currently available electronically. And um, and thank you for being a dear friend of mine. And I know you got to go. So we'll close with love and peace. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. To access all episodes, including show notes, go to CuttingEdgeDoc.com. That's CuttingEdgeDoc.com. Lastly, if you love today's show, you can support Dr. David, his work, and the show by going over to iTunes and giving a five-star rating and a heartfelt comment. Thank you again for joining us today and for your commitment to freeing the body, freeing the soul.